the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, That's our one and only super producer, Mr. Max Williams. They called me Ben. I have had my share of adventures, as have you, Noel. But uh, this guy, this guy might have us beat by a little bit. I think he's got a lot of people beat to the point where, at least in the uh, headline of our research document, uh, he is referred to as the most interesting man in the world. An honorific that um, I wouldn't take lightly bestowing on somebody or having it bestowed upon me. I would consider that to be quite a responsibility. The man, uh, the interesting man, uh, most interesting man potentially in question today is Peter uh, Freuschen. I think that's right. Yeah. Are we going to go with Freuschen? What do you say? Yeah, let's go with Freuschen there. Uh, he was born Lorenz Peter Alfred Freuschen. So even his name is super interesting. He's kind of totally. starting on first base with that one. But uh, but this, what I love about this story, Noel, is that oftentimes we find that historical heroes are problematic in some way. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are problems with Mother Teresa. There are problems with so many folks who were lauded, especially as explorers during the age of European expansion. But our boy Pete is surprisingly progressive. Uh, his mm-hmm. legacy has aged incredibly well. And uh, spoiler, there is one part of this story that all three of us are very excited for, and this is kind of a reward for us, but maybe maybe before we we get to the part that really drew us because we're so uh we're we're three very mature guys is oh, uh, yeah. yeah maybe maybe we start with just who this giant of a man was, and he was pretty much the, a giant <laughs> the maturist that's that's what we are. I will say that the part that you're alluding to, Ben, when I first read it, uh, I had to do a double take and uh, make sure that my brain was, in fact, processing words correctly. Yeah. Uh, I did uh, end up finding out that, that it was, in fact. And then I, I ate a cookie uh, 
to reward myself for being a uh, cognizant human being. I watched a video on this. I was watching it while I was eating. I made some mussels and fries for lunch today, guys. Uh, and- Dang, son. That's a... <laughs> Very hoity-toity lunch. I love it. Well, it's, you know, it's I didn't say they were good. You know, you just it's it's on the cheap end. Muscles are pretty affordable at your local grocery store. Have you ever heard someone describe an off muscle as tasting quote horsey? Yes, actually, I have. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you hear that? I think my mom said it, but it makes sense because it sort of tastes the way horse poop smells. Yep. Yep. And smell and taste are intertwined. So uh, just remember, whenever you smell something, you're actually tasting it a little bit too. Uh, it's going to change your position on farts. But that's a great way to <laughs> oh, set, up, <laughs> set up where we're going. So, so yes, this guy, Pete, is actually a tremendously cool person. He's, he's not born into privilege. Uh, he is, when we say he's a giant, uh, he's a giant in many ways at the end of his life. But in the beginning, he's... He's like six and a half feet tall. He's got a mountain man beard for most uh-huh. of his adult life. And yeah, uh, he and, didn't and housed within his beard clearly is uh, his superpowers. We'll get to that a little later, too. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that's why I brought up the muscles, because I was eating those while I was watching a video about this pivotal moment uh, we're going to explore. And you guys know I have a strong stomach. I'm a walking garbage can when it comes to food. <laughs> but even I had to stop for a second and was like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to take a quick walk. Just going to take a walk real quick. Not exactly (laughs) a spit take, but definitely required a moment of reflection. Oh, 100%. 100%, my friend. So another thing that you might recognize, uh, folks, is that often throughout history, when you hear stories of people who are explorers, people who are having all these adventures in these remote corners of the world, they often come from immense privilege, right? They are the scion of royalty or aristocracy. Not so with Pete. His dad was a businessman. um, And, you know, they're like pretty squarely middle class, but like most parents, he wants his kid to rise to a better social station. So Pete's dad makes him matriculate into the University of Copenhagen, where he starts studying medicine. And he is bored to tears. Mm, he is because he, you know, he's he's got his nose in the book, but yet he's he's hearing the siren call of the wild wafting in on the, you know, the breeze um, if the window happened to be open at the time. Um, but he cannot resist that call. Can he, Ben? No, no. It's almost like that. Uh, it, it's similar in some ways, the call of the wild uh, that he's feeling to a poem by John Macefield called Sea Fever. Uh, where he says, he's talking about the sea, and he says it's a wild call and a clear call that may not be denied. So it's a wonderful little poem. I, I do rec- recommend it if, you, uh, if you're if you into that kind of innocuous poetry. But yeah, he can't deny it. He says, all right, I need some uh, fast cars, dangers, fire, and knives to quote Aesop Rock. So he drops out of the University of Copenhagen. He's 20 years old when he becomes an explorer. He first uh, lights out for Greenland. He's working as a stoker on a steamship. And I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, but Noel, aren't those, aren't those the people who like stoke the coals or the fuel to power the steamship? Yeah, it has to be, right? I mean, I think there's actually a, 
There's a Korean American um, thriller movie directed by, I believe, Wook Chan Park uh, called Stoker that has uh, Nicole Kidman in it. I think this is like his American English language debut, but uh, I think that's a family name in the in the, uh, oh. the movie. And then I also know Stroker. There's a Ween song called Stroker Ace right. that is about a race car driver. I think that might even be a movie. Um, but no, I'm not super familiar with the word Stoker. But if, um, you know, we use our context clues, I think you're probably pretty close to the mark there, Ben. Yes. It's someone who tends the boiler at least, right? It's got to be. I got someone right here from the Royal Navy, actually. The Royal Navy used the rank structure Ordinary Stoker, Stoker, Leading Stoker, Stoker, Petty Officer, and Chief Stoker. Their job was to just stoke the coals and move them around. Well, you got to think about it. I mean, that's a crucial job. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't really just half-ass that one. It sounds like maybe a ridiculous number of layers uh, to that position, but I think Mm -hmm. it makes sense. It's literally the heart of the, the vessel. Yeah, and it's a dangerous place to be. So without being too uh, sinister about it, you probably want to have a backup guy in case something goes wrong with the other guys, other people. Uh, So (laughs) at this point, we know that he is already well on the way to becoming a world-class explorer. But for him, it's just that the inside situation was intolerable. And funny enough, why did he choose Greenland? It's because he saw a student play when he was in school about exploring the polar reaches and as soon as he saw this student play which is funny because max you and i were just talking about community theater before this before we rolled on air um because of this play he saw he had this epiphany this lightning strike moment and he thought it is my life's calling to explore the remote reaches of the arctic and you know uh That may have just been an impulse decision, but he stuck with it. And for 30 more years, he would explore some of the most dangerous, coldest parts of the world. What a cool thing. What a cool epiphany, right? I mean, I think we all uh, wonder when that aha moment is or like, I know what I want to be. doesn't always happen like that for everybody. It certainly didn't happen for me. I wanted to be a rock star, but I have to settle for podcaster and uh, and, then hobbyist musician. But it's pretty cool when at an early age you kind of realize something very uh, specific and kind of obscure and stuff that most people wouldn't really gravitate towards as like your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and uh, you know it's it's not ever too late to do the things you want to do. So you still you still got a path of rock star ahead of you if you wish. Oh uh, man! Uh, oh, well, you know what? I I do have three distinct records in the works right now. Uh, so hopefully one of them will one day see the light of the day, and then my <laughs> rock star dreams will come true. That's me with novels, man. I feel you. Oh, and sketch comedy. I've got some sketch comedy mm-hmm. stuff I'm working on. But um, yeah. but we're doing all right as as podcasters. You know, we actually we do make a living from it. Um, and and. This is, by the way, going to give me another opportunity to ask you guys to join me on that Russian icebreaker, the 50 let Pobody. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. The, the Pobody? Pobody. It's a, <laughs> I'm mispronouncing it, but it's it, the Russian translation is 50 years of victory. Oh, but you pronounce that the way that uh, I believe Bostonites uh, say that you should pronounce Peabody is Peabody. Um, So I I, I appreciated that. Uh, No, but it's true, man. Like this guy knew what he wanted and he went out and got it. Like uh, every, every step that he took from that point on was a step towards that exploration. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, he goes with a very important friend of his, a guy named Nud Rasmussen. Nud Rasmussen was also a Greenland, uh, Greenland, Danish polar explorer anthropologist. He was the first European to cross the Northwest Passage via dog sled. Uh, he is well known amongst uh, First Nations, Inuit populations, Greenland and Denmark. He has a title that stuck out to me that I don't think is aged very well, but for a long time he was known as, quote, the father of Eskimology. I just didn't know that was a a thing, but uh, it's it's also sometimes called Inuitology. So he'll be he'll be uh, important later. So these these guys, 1906, it's uh, it's Pete's first time out in this expedition to Greenland, and he and Nud sail from Denmark, and they their whole goal is we're going to go as far north as possible until the ice stops our ship, and then we're going to get on our dog sleds. And then they got on their dog sleds and they just made off for the wild. How beautiful is that? They learned Inuit languages. They went on hunting expeditions. I, I mean, this is the kind of adventure that a lot of people would have paid money for, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, these were the Thule expeditions, right? So, yeah, this inspires what is known as the Thule expeditions. And they were learning about a way of life, a very ancient way of life that was completely alien in many ways to life in Europe. Uh, the people, the communities they encountered were hunting walruses, whales, seals, polar bears. This is like the stuff you would see depicted in old school pulp novels of adventure. Uh, but imagine if you are part of the population here, part of the Inuit population in the far north, you see this guy wrapped up in you know furs and stuff with this kind of ant, Grateful Dead, ZZ Top beard, and he's Goliath level to you. He's six seven, or you know, we say six and a half, six seven, uh, and you you see him from a distance, right, in a very flat horizon. So in my head, like they had already prepared to be visited by this guy because they saw him coming like three days before he actually made it on the horizon because he's so tall. Eventually, he he earned a rep for taking down polar bears and got some local respect because he killed a polar bear and made it into, made it tied into a coat. Uh, and they're, they're out here adventuring for several years before they establish this trading post in Cape York, Greenland. That's where the Thule stuff comes in. They named it Thule, but what is, uh, there's some history behind the word Thule, right? It's pretty neat. The ultimate Thule, or the Ultima Thule, rather. Um, a medieval cartographer would use this term to refer to places beyond the borders of the known world. Um, you know, oftentimes it probably would be parts of those old maps where there'd be like sea monsters and stuff, you know, on the outskirts of the maps and all that. Uh, there's a really cool article by Katie Serena um, on allthatisinteresting.com about Peter Freuschen, the real most interesting man in the world. Highly recommend checking that one out. But yeah, I mean, he was captivated by that kind of mythology, I think, or at the very least that kind of pushing those kind of bounds, you know, going where no man has gone before or whatever, like Star Trek. <laughs> I just, I was watching Max's face as you say that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's on the mark. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. His life was not perfect. Very few lives are. Uh, he did end up getting married three times. His first marriage occurs when he falls in love with someone he meets in the Inuit community. In 1911, Peter ends up marrying a woman from an Inuit community. Her name is Meku Paluk and had two children with her, both of whom have epic names. The daughter's name is Pipaluk Jet Tukumingwak Kasulak Palika Hager. Oh, my goodness, Ben. That was very well done. I, I congratulate you on that uh, pronunciation. If he got it wrong, don't even let us know because it was just too good an uh, effort. Too kind. Uh, we, we, we don't want to hear wait. it. I can't wait to hear the other one. We don't want to hear it. Um, unfortunately, she did pass away during the Spanish flu epidemic of 1921, which was uh, pretty horrific. 
for like, you know, the country. Um, there was a Christian church in the area that because she was Inuit wouldn't allow her a burial. So Freudian and proper, you know, uh, adventurer, don't take no for an answer kind of fashion, uh, decided to bury her himself. Oh, yeah. This is a badass story, too, because, okay, she passes away in 1921. Uh, he begs the church to let him bury his wife. You know, I think is a very respectable human request. And when they when they give him the stone wall and the hard pass, he doesn't just bury her himself. He waits until after dark in the dead of night. He breaks into the churchyard and then by himself, like digs the grave and buries her and then leaves because I, I think, and part of this is lost to history, but I think his calculus was, what are they going to do? Dig her up? You know what I mean? So he, he, that's one badass thing he did. And just one of many. I do want to give, Max, do want to give the shout out there. Yes, he had two children with with his first wife. Uh, We attempted the name of the daughter. Also had a son. And the first names of the son were Mekwasak Avatok. But the last one is a doozy for us. And I don't know if we should attempt it unless you want to you want to give it a try no oh man let me give it a whirl oh my god okay. that's that's <laughs> that's why i went to the daughter all right here we go all right okay here we go let's uh, can we have a drum roll please max and then you can have a sad trombone not yet yeah after even... after <laughs> yeah yeah, I think I should go preemptive on this one all right actually. i'm gonna do it really slowly okay? and we're doing this in a respectful way folks 100 percent. it's a beautiful just, name it, it, it it is a beautiful name. I'm going to try my best. Igim Aquasuktorangwa Paluk. Okay. Honestly, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, now three times fast. No, I'm kidding. Absolutely not. I'm kidding. So, uh, <laughs> so after this, after this uh, disaster ends his first marriage, a very love-filled marriage, Pete returns to Denmark. He marries his second wife, a Danish woman named Magdalene Vang Lauridsen in 1924. And uh, he's moving up in the world because Miss Lawrenson does come from a place of privilege. Her father is the director of Denmark's National Bank. Her family owns the magazine Ud of Heme that Freudchen will ultimately go on to run himself. And her parents were not super hoity-toity. They absolutely adored Pete. They liked him so much that they started that magazine for him. It is the longest running magazine in the history of Denmark. It is still around today, as far as we know. And their marriage lasted about 20 years. But we have to uh, we have to say, you know, relationships can be a rocky road. Course of true love never did run smooth and so on. They ultimately annul their marriage about 20 years later because Frankly, man, Pete's just not at home. He's always going on expeditions. Yeah, gallivanting, if you will. But I still have to say, it's not the kind of story that you hear surrounding true unadulterated bastards. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they they stuck it out for 20 years. He was probably fine. He was just consumed by his work. Um, And then it just, you know, maybe it wasn't the right thing for either of them. For some reason, I picture a tender conversation where it's like, if you really love me, let me go. Let me go. And he's like, yes, my love, I will let you go. And I 
we'll, we'll be over here with the polar bears. We'll go our separate ways and do our own things. And that's just the dramatization in my mind. But yes. um, I don't know. Take this whalebone necklace and think of me fondly. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. just so. Uh, he's He also does, he violates a lot of stereotypes that I think people have. Um, uh-huh. pretty unfairly about uh, very physically large people and about outdoorsy adventurous people. Uh, he is not just, he's not just a guy with a lot of physical daring do and acumen. He's also a kick-ass writer and people want to read what he writes. And this will like this spoiler, this takes him to Hollywood too. Uh, he talks, he writes over 30 books about Inuit culture, about exploration, about literature. He writes in the realm of domestic politics in Denmark. Uh, And then his most famous book today is probably one that was published after his death. It was called The Book of the Eskimos. And again, we're using that term because it's the actual title or the actual quote. Uh, If you are describing people from this region of the world, there are many, many uh, different communities that have been described this way by Europeans probably best to stick with Inuit or the name of the of the actual group you're referencing. But anyway, that's the name he called it. And we can tell from his life he was not trying to be offensive. Uh, he, his, his book is autobiographical. It was published after his death, 1961. And he, um, by this point, he, he has already lost a leg to frostbite in a very weird way. Max, hit the music, man. Back me up. I need some cinematic here. Yes, this is the moment we were waiting for. This is, oh boy. Okay, Noel, we talked about the Thule expeditions. Yeah, we did. Ben, you know what this brings to mind for me? What was that movie? I'm really bad when it comes to like numbers and movies. Or like, that's the one. Yeah, thanks, Max. Max with the facts. With, you know, what's his name? James Franco. Um playing that you know spelunker who has to saw his own arm off with a pocket knife because he's like crammed between two rock walls this is like the scatological version of that uh it's definitely uh (laughs) it's it's definitely a shitty situation to find yourself in uh so so it's 1926 and this is when Nud and Pete Rasmussen and Freudchen are going to try to test some theories they've had. And one of their first expeditions is to discover whether or not there is a channel of water dividing Greenland from a place called Perryland. They this takes some inland, like it's a six hundred mile, very unpleasant trek. And Freudchen honestly should have died. At least if everything he says in his autobiography is true, he, he says that they got caught in a blizzard. He tried to take cover under a dog sled. Like every like the when these blizzards come, they're not something where you could just set up a tent. The snow can come so fast and be so intense that it covers whatever cover uh, whatever shelter you've taken. So he's under this dog sled, and then he finds himself entombed, buried alive, literally, in snow. And this snow, you know, when you hear snow, you think like, oh, I could just, it's like powder, basically. It's powdered water. That's what snow is. That's a ridiculous history fact for you. Uh, Like, he could have dug himself out if it was just snow, but because 
of the freezing temperatures outside and because of how warm his body was, his breath like melted the snow and then it formed into ice. Fun. Yeah, no, that stuff gets packed in and it like, you know, it's not the fluffy stuff of snow angel dreams. Um, it is like a deadly icy concrete that like, you know, entombed. That's the right word. The very metal word, by the way. I think there's a band called Entombed. There has to be. I'm sure there's several. Um, but yeah, so he's buried alive in hard packed snow. Uh, and he 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 has a recollection, doesn't he? he he's thinking fast. <laughs> Okay, and he thinks he thinks back to some of his expeditions where he was tracking animals in the snow, and couldn't help but notice that there. I think he refers to them as their leavings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, would uh, would freeze solid right there on the ground, a different kind of permafrost, and he it, a little uh, light bulb lit up over his head. He's like, I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, there's this great explanation from uh, William Roseman, who's a uh, executive director of the New York Explorers Club, which uh, which we'll see Pete become associated with later. Freshman founded it. Yeah, yes. This is so this is so weird because he's like the just the tone of the way this guy explains it. He's like, well, you know, luckily he remembered that the native people often use frozen excrement in their sled dogs to make tools. So, uh, yeah. Like that's, that's the kind of conversation you have at an explorer's club, but this, this is what he does. He makes himself poop. He, uh, you can, this is the graphic description, by the way. Um, He makes the poop himself with his body. Yeah. He's a, he's a self-made man. Save Uh thyself physician or heal thyself. Uh, he talks, uh, just to read part of this, uh, he talks about this in his autobiography, where, I think it's crucial because we talked about what a what a wordsmith he was. It's really nice to hear he did have a a, a way of spinning a yarn. We're going to get right into. Yeah, yeah. He um he is struggling for a while. First, he's trying to claws claws way out with his bare hands. Terrible idea. And then he's trying to use a frozen bear skin, but it tears out his beard. Like we we're talking Not his about his magic or, beard. Yeah. Uh, and his beard and part of his face with it because it froze to the runner of the sled oh, that he was alive. I know. So so he says, and he's, he's got weird optimism here. He's like, what a way to die. I gave yes. up once more and let the hours pass without another move. But I recovered my strength while I rested. My morale improved. I was alive. After all, I had not eaten for hours, but my digestion felt all right. I got a new idea. I had often seen dogs dung in the sled track and had noticed it would freeze solid as a rock. Would not the cold have the same effect on human discharge? Repulsive as the thought it was, I decided to try the experiment. I moved my bowels, and from the excrement, I managed to fashion a chisel-like instrument, which I left to freeze. I was patient. I did not want to risk breaking my new tool by using it too soon. At last, I decided to try my chisel, and it worked. He shat himself on purpose to freedom. I, I, I'm just envisioning that, like you know, he's like it's he has to like, you know make the chisel out of it. So not only does he like you know shat himself, he has to like play with it, like putty, it. Yes. Like, make pot out it's, of it. It's like it's like it's it's just like Play-Doh, you know. You just form it. it, it it's it's you know. Well, does does oh. he try a little like Play-Doh? Because you know you got to always eat a little bit of Play-Doh. Well, when I what? no now Max Max, now that's too far. That's infringing on this this is brave man's character. No, let's just picture this. First of all, yeah. he's there in this tightly packed, you know, uh, icy, you know, 
doom, right? Yeah. And he, you know, but he's still, you can't just make yourself poop. I mean, you, you got to like go through a little ritual, make a little face, you know, and then, there, and then there it comes. And then he has to acquire it. I picture him rolling it between his hands, like when you make a snake with Play-Doh. Yeah. And then just kind of like pinching the ends and then tapering it down. You're rolling your hands up to the top at the end so it gets to a nice point. I mean, I think that's a re- realistic uh, interpretation of what he, how he would have done this. How did he like sharpen it? And then also, you know, um, not being doctors, we're going to say he's pretty lucky that he wasn't constipated. And that thank God he didn't have diarrhea. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I was thinking too. I was like, you can't, I don't know. Well, uh, hope and poop find a way, I guess. Uh, But that's, that really happened or some version of it really happened because we know for a fact he did make it out of that icy tomb. Uh, he paid for it. His feet are frostbitten AF and gangrene sets in on one foot. And I didn't know this, but the standard, like the native remedy for frostbite and gangrene at this time was to make a poultice of skin from freshly slaughtered lemmings. And, oh, and it's, lemmings? Yeah. They, that's really, that's a deep cut, deep animal <laughs> kingdom cut. Yeah, the, the, uh, the nurse that he finds is putting is changing lemming skins out on a regular basis on his foot that has gangrene. But every time she takes one skin off and replaces it, it takes more muscle and flesh from his toes. And, Gross. And, and eventually, like, look, you, you know, you're already delirious. You almost died. And, and he Had, hadn't he already self like amputated some of his toes, like, uh, you know, in advance, kind of knowing that like the things weren't looking good. Like, I believe he did that himself, right? That's the moment. Yeah. So here's what I heard. So the, um, he and the nurse have this moment where they see the toes or they see the skeleton stumps because the skin is yeah. gone. And then, and the nurse says, there's not a doctor here. I guess I could try. I can just bite off the nubs for you if you want. At which point, he, he, even Pete says, that's a little too adventurous for me. So <laughs> without anesthetic, without any kind of painkiller, without even like alcohol, he takes a big pair of pinchers and a hammer uh, and uh, and takes him off. One by oh, one. No, 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 not the sound. It'd <laughs> probably be a little, little squishier than that. Yes, it that's, more, that's how it would sound in a, in a cartoon. Right. Um, but this is not a cartoon. No. This was real life. How hardcore. I think this might be the most hardcore story we've ever done in terms of like, this is like, what's that uh, Stephen King short story where there's like the doctor who's by himself, like on an island and he slowly has to like cut pieces off his own body and eat them to stay alive. Oh, yeah. Was that Stephen King? It's Stephen King. I think it's in like one. It's in one of those collections. I can't remember yeah. the name of the story, but yeah, that happens. Um, this isn't quite that intense, but it, it, it's certainly making me think of that. This dude meant business. He also was a teetotaler, so I think he could have used alcohol to numb the pain, but he didn't want to walk back his principle. I, I will tell you, Ben, uh, this uh, as a uh, uh, 21 days into dry January, mm-hmm. uh, feel much more likely that I might become a, uh, an Arctic explorer. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It could happen. Uh, maybe next month, but yeah, man, hardcore, dude. This guy's name should be written out like one of those metal band logos where you can't understand you what the word, yeah. you know, that's this dude, man. He is, uh, he's metal AF. Yeah. And he, um, that, that was perhaps his most dramatic run in with death, but 
according to the more than a baker's dozen of memoirs he wrote, he was always about to die. He got trapped for in an avalanche for several days. His feet survived that one. Uh, a cook almost shot him because, you know, he's a six and a half foot tall guy wearing the skin of a polar bear. Not maybe the most clever thing uh, when for meeting strangers. He fell through a hole in the ice and he had to have uh, sled dogs pull him out. He stabbed himself with a harpoon. Accidentally. Oh, okay. I was about to say, why? Did he Just do that as thing? a flex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to like better that. understand yeah. the whale. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would not put it past him, man. This guy was a serious dude. A serious dude. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
And like we said before, he founded this thing called the Adventurers Club. Adventurers is sort of a rural juror kind of thing to say. Yeah. And he had produced and acted in in the pictures in right. Hollywood. He he got into the film industry because again he was a pretty talented writer, and they were thirsty for these kinds of stories. So he he wrote scripts and he consulted on scripts for other things too, but especially for movies related to the frozen tundra of the Arctic. Is that is that the tundra? Am I am I getting my uh my surface materials mixed up? Yeah, no, I think tundra makes sense. It's the coldest biome. It has very little. Uh, precipitation so it's like a desert so it's i I think the tundra is just below the arctic ice caps well i think it works for my purposes yeah and in 1933 um one of the most well-known films that he was involved in came out called eskimo Uh, it actually ended up going on to win the academy award um in the uk and australia it's known as mala the magnificent Uh, he actually uh, played a small role in it as an evil sea captain, uh, which, you know, fits uh, given the guy's stature and, um, you know, fondness for long coats and uh, the beard, of course. Yeah. And this is this is interesting because it also makes it the first Academy Award winning film to be in a, a language of the native people here. So he was doing a lot of he was doing a lot of progressive first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, the movie kind of bombed, even though it like won, you know, it was it was an awards darling, and it was uh, very not progressively repackaged yeah. uh, as Eskimo Wife Traders. That's a studio decision; it has to be. Yeah, I'm sure he uh, was not happy about that. I don't think so. Uh, he did still, despite the commercial uh, failure of that film, he did still make a great impression in Hollywood, California. He befriended notable celebrities and actors like Gene Harlow. Uh, There was this party trick he would do where he would pick up actors in like with both his hands, hold them up and then twirl them around. And Gene Harlow in particular loved this. The Harlow situation is weird because he almost got in trouble for this. Uh, Louis Mayer, big time studio head, called Peter to his office the next Monday and was like, hey, you can't do that. That's making one of our, our, our top dames look uh, salacious, right? Look, uh, she looks like a woman of ill repute. And why? Because he because he picked her up and spun her around. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, Meyer did have a reason to be kind of mad because uh, the photographs, he had photographs that the press had taken of this uh, toss and spin thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it appears to have um, it appears to have clearly indicated Harlow's interest or lack of interest in wearing underwear. Oh no. Like yeah. a Paris Hilton limo shot. Um, I think I'm picking up the reference you're putting down. I would agree. I th- I, yeah. I, I heard, I heard about that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time that would have absolutely. Okay. There you go, Ben. I understand now he wasn't so much against the party trick as, as what it revealed. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. But still, his reputation in Hollywood was not, like, besmirched too badly. Um, he, of course, continued in his life uh, being intensely interested in traveling. Into the mid uh, to late 1930s, he spent time in South Africa and also Siberia. Um, check out the vintagenews.com uh, write-up about Freudchen, uh, if you don't mind. Really great picture. He just looks like a quintessential sea captain. He's like the guy from I Know What You Did Last Summer, except, you know, nicer and, and <laughs> right, whole, like yeah. savage 
you with a hook. But yeah, Ian Harvey wrote a really cool uh, piece for the Vintage News with an awesome spread of photos of the guy and some of his adventures. So highly recommend checking that one out. And this is uh, amazing. I love that he has founded this Adventures Club. He also does some more absolutely badass stuff. Like we have to, okay, first let's just recap one of the first and most influential European explorers in, in the Arctic. Uh, he is tremendously progressive in his attitudes. Doesn't seem to suffer some of the same racism, right? He marries a local person. Uh, he doesn't back down from the Christian church and breaks. He does a, a, a opposite of a heist at a Christian church. He saves himself with his own poop. He conducts surgery on himself. He becomes a Hollywood star. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he starts an adventure club. And then World War II happens. And World War II, this is where you really see his character shine. So we know that he was against racial discrimination, even when it was incredibly normalized and accepted. Yeah. And, and uh, apparently, anytime somebody said something uh, dirty about uh, Jewish people, he would approach them and definitely lean into his six and a half foot tall frame and say, it's funny you're talking about Jewish people. I myself am Jewish. Yes. Check out my hook. <laughs> uh, yeah, he reserved the hook for uh, anti-Semites. Yeah, and he also appeared to go counter to the prevailing attitude of the time with dudes and uh, that he was not a misogynist. Right. I, I like, is he just a better person than most people? I'm starting to think that, you know, he was active in resistance to the Nazi occupation of Denmark. He was so good at this, despite, oh, by the by the way, uh, the frostbite that took his toes also took that leg. So he's on a peg leg at this point. And he's still on some, as we say, fuck around and find out. So you mentioned, you know, his attitude towards Jewish people right before the Second World War. Well, he was so influential and so kind of became this like almost figurehead of tolerance uh, and, and progressiveness that uh, Adolf Hitler himself did not care for the man, let's just say. And during World War II, um, Freudian became embroiled in kind of a political kerfuffle because of his kind of, you know, maybe involuntary uh, role as this kind of like activist um, for the rights of Jewish people, anti-Nazism and all that. Hitler saw this guy and his stature and he ordered that he be captured and, and murdered. Yeah. Also... All those books that he wrote we talked about, the Third Reich, of course, banned those. Uh, Freudian was arrested in France during the, you know, when the Nazis were occupying it, but he escaped. That's all we have, by the way. He escaped the Nazis. <laughs> right. Did he use a, a weapon fashioned from his own excrement this time, too? We'll never know. He made a poop gun. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I've got his, I got more bullets than you think. I was eating those prison beans for a week, you know, like, yeah, like that one in the line of fire, you we, know, we are movie. grown ups, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. But thankfully, his digestion was just fine. It was just fine. He was definitely regular. I mean, you, you, you rough it out there in the wilderness. You're going to be eating plenty of fiber. So probably uh, something to think about if you ever go uh, a spelunking or mm. whatever. Shout out to 37 Days of Peril uh, in Ephemeral, yeah. where you will meet someone who is much less efficient in the wild than our boy Pete. Uh, but OK, so. I love that image. We're not sure how he escaped, but in 1945, after he escapes and he flees to Sweden, from there, he ends up going to the U.S. with his new wife, his third wife, a Danish-Jewish fashion illustrator named Dagmar Kohn. Uh, They get married in the Big Apple, and Kohn has a job working for Vogue. She was doing like illustrations that made it on the cover. She was a big deal. And this is where some of those pictures that you mentioned earlier, Noel, come into play. Because this guy still looks very much like a wild man, uh, an outdoorsman. He's like almost 60 now. He's joined the New York Explorers Club. And they still have, to this day, a painting of him hanging on the wall. He also, oh, right, The Last Flex, which is a good name for a film. Uh, The Last Flex is this. In 1956, he wins a game show called The $64,000 Question. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of money at the time. (laughs) I mean, it's still a lot of money today, but you need bigger jackpots than that uh, to have that just be, they'd have to like up it in the name too. Maybe, I think it's more than half a million, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. What with uh, inflation and all that. Yeah. I mean, I only just recently figured out how deal or no deal works. I was getting my oil changed at a Jiffy Lube, and it was on. And I like just kind of looked perplexed, and somebody like in the waiting room kind of had pity on me and explained to me how deal or no deal worked. And then I was like, I couldn't look away. You got to know about the deal. It's all about probability. That's what the guy told me. <laughs> Unsolicited. <laughs> I think I said to my kids, and I'm like, I've never understood what this is all about. And this guy goes, uh, excuse me, um, it's all about probability. I'm like, elaborate, please. I love Atlanta. I love the way that people, cat. you know, we're very lucky. This doesn't happen in a lot of other places, a lot of other countries, or even other, a lot of other pla- uh, places in the U.S. But Atlanta, if you've never visited our fair metropolis, is a place where it is assumed that you will likely end up in a casual conversation when you happen to be standing next to anyone for more than about three minutes, you know, like, and, and strangers will, this is the town where I get the most, this is the U S town where I get the most unsolicited compliments and they're not, you know, creepy, gross compliments or whatever that, uh, I I remember I was walking into a, a local store here and I went to, pick up stuff that I was going to cook. And uh, the cashier, when I was walking up, was like, there he is. Oh, it's the director. And I was like, oh, me? What do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, like your your sweater. You you look like you're a director or something. And uh, that was very flattering. So if you get a chance to give strangers a non-creepy compliment and sincere, that's cool. And that guy was trying to help, right, Noel? He was like, was he trying to help? You thought he was trying to help. Oh, he yeah. was trying to help. He wasn't being a jerk at all. He wasn't he was, flexing. He, 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 I, I followed up with some questions, some additional <laughs> questions. And it, it really uh, made the time pass a lot quicker while I was waiting for my oil change because I understood what Howie Mandel was going on about oh, there yeah. with his shiny, shiny bald head and his suitcases. I wish he would do. What was that movie where he played a monster that comes out under? under someone's bed. Little monsters. Little monsters. I wish he would do deal or no deal in his little monsters costume. 
I wish he would do Deal or No Deal in the voice that he does for Bobby's World the whole time, just inexplicably sounding like a rude, a rude small little child. If he does both of those at the same time, then I'm going to watch Deal or No Deal every day. Uh, and Next I, week on David Lynch TV. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so with this, with these adventures that he has had, uh, he has also given a number of civic awards, one of which is the gold medal of the International Benjamin Franklin Society uh, for his general service to mankind. He has, for his last days are what would count as very peaceful for him, probably some of the most peaceful days of his life since his childhood. Uh, he eventually dies of a heart attack when he's 71 in 1957, he's just completed a book called Book of the Seven Seas, and he's actually walking uh, toward a plane in Alaska because he's off on some other adventures. He's just like a Bilbo Baggins type figure, you know? He finishes his book and then gets spirited away to the elves where he can die in peace and just kind of disappears, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of what happens? Well, it's uh, it's also a remarkably peaceful ending. I mean, heart attacks are a terrible thing, but it's a remarkably peaceful ending when you consider all the other ways it could go. Um, right, mm -hmm. right now, I think as of twenty twenty, Deadline was reporting that the Berkowitz brothers, uh, through their company, not a billionaire, are trying to make a limited series based on Pete's life. Yeah, I saw that. Man, I don't know who the Berkowitz brothers are. They're not related to like the serial killer. Berkowitz, are they? I hope not, because I will not be watching their program. No, no. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't cancel the Berkowitz brothers. It wasn't their fault their other sibling was a nut. You know, they, they should be allowed to make limited television series all they want. Everybody should be allowed to make a limited television series. Come on. That's what that's what the future is. Uh, this this concludes our story for now. We'll probably talk about this whenever we get a chance to see the limited series. But I wanted to, I know we always thank people at the end of this, but I wanted to uh, give an especial thanks to all three of us for staying relatively on the rails when we got to the poop knife part. I thought we did a pretty good job. So thanks to us. Well, I mean, let's not forget it's a harrowing situation, right, but yes. it's like we know he survived. I mean, he was horribly mangled, <laughs> but I still I, he would have wanted it this way. He would have wanted to give us joy, I think, you know, with the. Uh, and let's think about this way. He was wearing gloves most likely while he was doing it. So it wasn't like it was getting directly on his hands. <laughs> That's your takeaway. <laughs> think of, Well, think like there's not a lot of room under a dog sled. That uh, no, the poop got everywhere. How did it get from yeah. his pants? Right. Thank God he wasn't traveling with Kate Winslet. She would have made him like sit outside and freeze to death. Oh God, there was enough room on that flotsam. That's the word for floating gotcha. ship debris. Uh, uh, I love that word. Uh, what man. about jetsam? Are they the same thing? No. Are they just they're just like they're part and parcel? There's flotsam and jetsam. They usually come in pairs. Flotsam, it's kind of like stalactite versus stalagmite, I think. Uh, flotsam floats and jetsam sinks. Yes, Max. Just, ben, I've, just a... ben, I've literally never understood the distinction between these two things until now. So thank you, my friend. There's also a band called Flotsam and Jetsam, an American metal band from Phoenix, Arizona, founded in 1981. Also, to confirm, Entombed is a uh, American metal band. Yeah, Actually, I'm not I, sure if they're American. I, I pretty much knew that. Are, you, are, they, are, they, are they perhaps uh, Danish? That'd be oh, cool. They, maybe. Uh, 
late, let me correct myself because I wanted to check. I don't want to mislead anybody. The when I'm looking at some um, official like Merchant Marine website stuff like that, they're saying that the real definition of flotsam and jetsam goes into uh, the intention behind it. Flotsam was not deliberately thrown overboard. That it was a shipwreck or an accident, but Jetson, Jetson. was jettisoned. Jettison. Thank you, Ben. Oh my God. Go. That okay. All right. Well, we I think we got there. And by the way, Entombed is definitely a death metal band from Sweden. So um, <laughs> not too far off from Denmark, right? Unless I'm really bad at geography, which I am. No, you're the, you know, you're in the right areas. You know, you're in the right region. Um Is there tundra? There's always tundra somewhere. Okay. You know. Got it. Um, Got it. So uh, this, so this has been a wild ride for us. No one went a little long on this one, but we do hope you enjoyed it at least uh, a fraction as much as we did. Thanks to super producer Max Williams. Thanks to Alex Williams, uh, our who is soon to be like our official traveling correspondent. I think unofficial yeah. traveling correspondent. Yeah. He composed this slapping track. He sure did. Thanks to Jonathan Strickland, the Quizster, Christopher Hasiotis, Eves Jeffcoats, here in spirit, Gabe Luzier, you, Max Williams, Ben Bolin, the whole Ridiculous family, which also includes uh, Eli and Diana from Ridiculous Romance. Check yes. that show out. They're also going to be hanging out with us very soon. Oh, that's right. Yes. And we're going to be hanging out on uh, their show so that we can, you know, lear- learn their tricks and their comedic timing. Uh, I-, I also want to give a, uh, a-, a one-time shout-out to a new nemesis that I apparently uh, had for a while and was not aware. Uh, Sam McVeigh of Sam and Annie's Stuff Mom Never Told You. So check out their show. Uh, and Noel, thank you so much. This is, like... I love when we do these sorts of stories together because we're both such fans of the cinematic and the adventurous. And I, I, I think these, these stories really shine for us. Boy, do they ever shine on you, crazy diamond. We'll see you next time, folks. diamond. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.